0: Welcome to Afterlives of Ancient Egypt, in which we discuss ancient history and relevant current events. I'm Kara Cooney, and I love to take deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. So let's get started. Hello. Hey, Jordan. Mm. How are you doing? Okay, I, I've gotten over the rage of the quarter having begun, and I'm now into the mode of acceptance and just, you know, nope. get get through your emails every day if possible. Like I think my emails are at 150 right now, and they just, they just clock up. Keep going, keep going, keep going. But we'll get there. It's okay. I have no voice because I was at a party yesterday and I was shouting, and it, so now it was a good we'll party. Talking like this. No. it was such a good party. It was a fun party. It was a really good party. Though I did um, come home you know, and eat sorry, McDonald's
1: that- and I had a terrible McDonald. I can't eat McDonald's anymore. Like,
0: why'd you go to McDonald's? Don't, don't do that. Because it was easy and did fast. You know, Remy and I did? He hadn't eaten either. So we met up at Daikokuya and we had ramen. Well, you and guys are awesome. smart. <laughs> I went to McDonald's it was and really then good. proceeded to have a stomachache the whole night. So. Oh, no, because it's not yeah. real food. It doesn't decompose. There's nothing in there. Yeah, I think it was a French fries, like whatever the oil is. Yeah, can't do I it. I just was can't like, okay, it. and I, I ate carbs. I ate carbs at ten at night, and I was like, you know what? Let's just fuck it. And it was great. <laughs> Who doesn't want ramen at ten at night after I mean, a long day? Yeah, it was great. It was perfect. nice and cozy, it was just perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I <laughs> ate it slowly. Yeah, it was really nice. It was, it was great. I love, I love ramen. It is. It is one of yeah. my fave things. Yeah, ramen, so, any type of noodles. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. completely
1: pivoting and having no relation to noodles <laughs> or ramen.
0: Well, no, having lots of relation to ramen and noodles because we're talking about strikes. And what are strikes mm-hmm. in the text except like being able to afford your daily bread. That's true. So There's the connection. I think it's you know, it's on point. You went to McDonald's for a reason. I went to Daikoku because <laughs> Daikoku was is expensive and it's not yeah. hugely expensive, but it's expensive enough. McDonald's for you. Like, I can't is do expensive this. too. Really? I haven't been to McDonald's in
1: over a decade. It's getting more expensive. I mean, I also had it. And so that's why I think when I ate McDonald's for the first time in many years, my body was like, what are
0: you doing to me? Yeah. Yeah. I just read something that if you if you keep doing the bad habit, your body, you don't notice how it makes your Mm -hmm. body feel when you stop doing the bad habit and then you reintroduce it. Then you're like, oh, my God, I feel horrible. And you you probably felt that way a lot before, but. But this isn't a show about ancient health. This is a show about ancient labor relations. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean,
1: there's, I'm sure anyone who's not under a rock has heard of all the different <laughs> <laughs> labor relations going on in the news, the different strikes happening. The Writers uh, Guild of America just settled their strike, which had been going on like all summer. Mm-hmm. So a very long mm-hmm. strike. United Auto Workers are currently still on strike from different auto branches, and I just saw Kaiser Permanentes doing a three-day walkout too. So it's spreading. And like the, actors the actors are still on yeah, strike. Actors are still on strike. Actors are still on strike. Yeah, there's clearly um, a lot of unhappiness amongst workers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, the current economic situation. And these are only the
0: people that are. These are only the people that are unionized, mm-hmm. and oh, exactly. other people are now. How can we? bind ourselves together unionized? get unionized yep. organize yeah yep. exactly exactly and
1: and i think so. one of you know when these strikes are happening in the modern sense everyone always goes back to ancient egypt because we have the so called first recorded strike yeah. so if you're, we could talk a bit about that today talk a bit about whether we think feel it is a strike or not in our in our modern yeah. day sense yeah what we can learn from it why do we think there was a crisis of resources at the time what was going on in a larger sense that maybe we can feel akin to it mm-hmm. in our in our society as well. Inflation, the rich getting richer. And to
0: bring it back to a larger um, long durée perspective, I was at that party that you were at yesterday and I was talking to other faculty and I was talking to one faculty in particular who'd been gone for the whole year that the UC graduate students went on strike.
1: Oh yes, And now
0: yeah. we're dealing with, with the repercussions of that strike. So a strike is one intense moment of, mm-hmm. of negotiation when when nice negotiations have failed. You withhold your labor, you engage in sit-ins and more potentially destructive or at least loud and um, disruptive behavior mm-hmm. to get attention. But then after the, the strike is agreed to, then there, there's a long period of trying to figure out the budget, where money is, how it's going to be reallocated, who's going to get paid less, what's yeah. going to be cut. Because the budgets are usually uh, leveraged to such a degree, but you brought up the, I think the main point, which is, who is getting paid an exorbitant amount more,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: in comparison to the rest of the, to the workers who are doing so much of the labor, who is getting like, like it, when we were talking about the writer strike or the actor strike, which studio heads are getting paid two hundred million dollars while people aren't getting residuals or, or any of the payments that they used to get, and how does that, that right. work? So yeah. it's you know modern. Yeah.
1: And I think strikes, obviously with unions and stuff, were privileged to be able to strike. And so it's interesting to see how in the ancient world, how bad it had to get until people were like, I'm mm-hmm. going to walk off the job and they don't have any mm-hmm. protections that unions provide and things like this, where you could be fired or people could come force you to back to work or things like this. And that right. Um. there's probably a lot of disgruntlement happening for a long time until they were forced
0: into this, into this choice. I just watched this documentary series on Netflix about Mm -hmm. the family, this Mm -hmm. Christian fellowship group Mm -hmm. that has been very formative in American politics. Mm -hmm. You have to watch it. It's so good. This is the kind of thing that I binge watch. And do you know how it started? It started as a labor shutdown in the -hmm. Pacific Northwest. So these businessmen who call themselves good Christian businessmen, were being there was there were strikes and they were the ones who owned the businesses and when they violently and with police force put down the strikes they claimed that they were the good christians who were keeping everything going and really pushed this calvinist protestant american foundational ideal of the prosperity gospel and and this predestination of the man who is rich is what is whom god has made rich and should remain rich and mm. be the one in control and in power and it's this weird ideological imposition of a radical jesus cult of socialism and reclaiming it for the the power at the very top of a given hierarchy and and turning it away from the you know the jesus cult origins pretending to turn it back towards those uh, a religious origins and mm-hmm. I, and veiling what the labor strike shutdown was really about so i think when we read these texts too we want to look at how ideology is used misused manipulated Mm -hmm. how the strikers try to use ideology how those who who don't want to pay use ideology it can be religion it can be nationalism or patriotism it can Mm -hmm. be all kinds of different masculinity there's Mm -hmm. a masculine ideology i think it's a part of a lot of this um So I I think that part is really interesting. Yeah, the farm laborers are striking. Who's striking? Like the
1: the highly skilled artisans and craftspeople. So I think that's in. in, And where are they going and all these things? And who are they going to? And so as I'm about to, I'll read through the translation of some of the texts. And so keep all these in mind.
0: And then we'll obviously get into the nitty gritty afterwards. Before we read, let's like set up. So we're talking about Diro Medina. So the who, what, where, when, and why. a craftsman's village. Yeah, oh good, let's do it that way. So there's the craftsman's village of Daryl Medina, which is a western Theban desert community of craftsmen and their families. They brought they have their families with them in homes in the western desert, close to the Valley of the Queens, Valley of the Kings, because they are building the tombs in the Valley of the Kings and Valley of the Queens. And they are paid pretty well mm-hmm. for their for their labors. And and so who it's like, I don't know, like a, a lower elite. They're not high elite. But they're they artisans, tombs, though, craftsmen. So, yeah. They have tombs. They have houses. Um, they're funded by the state. They're state mm-hmm. workers. Um, my book, The Cost of Death, is has mm-hmm. proven at least for the twentieth dynasty that their outside income making funerary arts exceeded their state income, particularly mm-hmm. during the period of strike in the twentieth dynasty, Francis the Third, and probably thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, when? Um, how do you want to you want to situate it? Well,
1: I mean, we can get really particular. I think the first evidence for a strike is year 29, second month of Ahet, day 21. Um, but during <laughs> Ramses III, and it continues on for a couple months, about like almost half a year, we have intermittent reports that we can go through. So towards the end of Ramses third reign, and obviously we know what happens to Ramses III, he gets assassinated so we can throat cut so we know there's larger crises happening at the time um, and this is just mm-hmm. one example of it
0: and it's an interesting time period one it's the 20th dynasty so it's part of that maelstrom of social change mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. historians call the bronze age collapse yes yeah
1: and we're not in the height of the 18th dynasty anymore
0: right and, and things are things are difficult mm-hmm. um migrants uh, are are coming in the Sea peoples are coming in. Things are yep. getting difficult. Wood is not easily acquired, given the rates of reuse of coffins by the elites. But it's also year twenty nine of Ramses the third. It's late in the reign of a king to have a king live for mm-hmm. and reign for thirty years is extraordinary. It's it's um, it's also I have argued in other writing, and particularly the good kings, socially destabilizing because you're skipping a generation, and when you mm-hmm. skip a generation, you have at the death of the king or at the end of the king's reign, double or triple the amount of possible candidates for power and all kinds of different positions who are mm-hmm. not getting that power. And there's a lot of frustration and a lot of anger at why that power isn't being handed down to the next generation and more competition amongst men who have almost equal claims to that power. Because mm-hmm. without the kingship having changed hands, you just have the descendants of that king or the, or his elite's. And they all have more equal claims than if the kingship had changed, and you have a reorganization of the bureaucrats and their close connections to that new, younger king. Yeah. So, so it's hugely socially destabilizing. And what else, Jordan, happens in your 30? A jubilee, a said yes. festival, that, yes, that festival, that most sacred of rites that is meant to re- renew the old king. And what we know about said festivals, which are these very arcane and close to the vest sort of rituals. Uh, are that you have to prepare a huge amount of new architecture, new, new building, new, like new, new theater arena places. And lots of feasting goes on huge amount of food and, and mm-hmm. wealth is going to be hoarded. Gifts are going to be given like Amenhotep the third created all of these big scarabs that were probably covered in beautiful, precious metals that he gave out to all of his leads. Mm-hmm. So there's like you know, you're, you've are you got to be prepping just like you would for a British Jubilee and everyone's making their commemorative plates and shit. So there's there's a lot of prepping for that Jubilee going on in the midst of a Sea People's series of invasions, in the midst of economic crisis and inflation of grain mm-hmm. in the 20th dynasty, at least as far as Thebes is concerned, but probably throughout Egypt yep. because the grain is scarce. And so it's, One, it's not a happy, easy time. I know some <laughs> scholars have
1: argued too that the temple endowments that are occurring in Ramses III's reign and earlier even, that these are, he's giving up too many resources and too many endowments and mm-hmm. stuff. And so then we have these crises of resources that the state yeah. perhaps doesn't have as much hordes of uh, access to these things as well. And one
0: last thing. Totally. And one last thing I want to set up before we read is that if you look at my, um, Oh, Amber, what article is it? Oxford history of ancient Mm areas. Is that correct? And it's, it's out. Um, I just looked at Amber on the screen. She helps me remember things just by looking at her face. (laughs) Um, but in that article, I argue that the, social and economic survival of people in the Ramessid period is dependent upon institutions. Yes. And you have a movement from the 18th dynasty of a dependence on the court in connection to the king. How close you physically connected to the king. Did you grow up with him in the cop? Did your mother breastfeed the king? This is a thing. Wet nursing was real. Um, You know, how did that work versus the 19th dynasty and 20th dynasty, what we're talking about when you know you having a priestly position in mm-hmm. the Amun temple or you having a military leadership position in the army with the king these things were the ways of survival mm-hmm. and in a, in the new socioeconomic world and what you see in these texts which is so damn interesting is a disconnect between what the king and his court and his vizier and his men his king's butlers are actually able or willing to provide in terms of monetary support for workers who are building their tombs versus the monetary support that a temple institution, in this case the Amun Temple, is able to provide Mm -hmm. for for workers. And you see a changeover of patronage, a movement from the patron of the king and the court and that ad hoc kind of decision making through the vizier uh, to a, a more corporate, um, what do we call the, the state that you can't see? What do the Republicans call it? Um, there's a, there's a bad term for it. Like, um, hidden government. Amber just texted Amber deep state. Thank you. So there's, um, Laura that she is like, and she's my second head. <laughs> she's becoming the main head. <laughs> there's
1: you guys are like voldemort or something. <laughs> I
0: got Ambrose, Ambrose under the turban. So deep state sort of um way of working with things where you don't really know who's leading something. Mm-hmm. And who um actually and has I power. Like to... Maybe right. more power than and... the king or something. And. Yeah. And in the moment of destabilization that we're in, like you can just go on YouTube and find all kinds of conspiracy yeah. theories like Lizard Bill people. Gates and, and, and Elon Musk are running this deep state or this conspiracy and da da, da and that they're the evil geniuses pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. When you see collapse happening and you can bring out the historical records and you can look at what's happening, it's usually a corporation of people in a system that's working with old rules that are not nimble and a, that can't be changed quickly, working with, Um, old rules that that aren't functional. So the strike, in my opinion, is people trying to use 19th dynasty, sorry, people trying to use 19th dynasty systems to solve new 20th dynasty problems. Mm. And so they're like, oh, let's bring in the butler and the vizier and all the king's men and let's have the high priest sit down. But the 20th dynasty is deep stating behind the scenes and you can read into it like what the, high priest is doing how how there's um there's already been an infiltration of power by this corporate body that is rather hard to see but you can see the patronage Mm -hmm. shifting but Mm -hmm. and and these 19 these 20th dynasty dudes these these artisans going oh my god we have to change something this is not right we have to complain and um and they use all of the righteous indignation and 19th dynasty legal system making that they can but it's only the twentieth dynasty deal making that's gonna make it work. So exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so I will also caution as we're reading through these these texts, they might seem a little choppy because we're obviously not getting mm-hmm. like a full play by play of this happened and then <laughs> this happened. So after I reread them, we can fill in the blanks and make it more cohesive and understandable and resummarize everything. Um, but mm-hmm. I can I can get started and I'll reference which texts I'm I'm speaking from again i a lot of times will be paraphrasing because i'm not going to read the whole thing um but if you're interested there's full translations you can find easily online and things like this and we can throw them yeah. in the substack post if you want to read more about them so first Great. one we have is ostracon <laughs> berlin p ten six thirty three, and it says quote year 29 so of ramses the second month of ahet day 29 so this is like september october Second month of Ahed. Day
0: 21. Not that it matters, but it's day 21.
1: Day 21, sorry. In the
0: thing that I'm reading. Yeah. Yes, yes, not day 21. Matters. I misstated. Okay.
1: Yeah. On this day, the scribe, Amun Noct, announced to the crew, saying, 20 days have passed in the month, and rations have not been given to us. He went down to the temple of Mary Hepare Meriamun, Heb, in the estate of Amun, so Heb's mortuary temple on the west bank. <laughs> 46 bushels of emmer were brought and was given uh, to them on the second month of Ahat, day 23. So two days later, right. he brought back some ember. So, but they hadn't been right. fed. They hadn't gotten their rations
0: for a whole month. Um, so obviously, right. not, not good. And, and the way the Deir medina crew was paid was yes. in, in Khar. That's the measure. It's, it's a, a basket or a sack <laughs> of grain and they get a certain number of har every month and they're supposed to get an 11 and a half car the normal workman of grain a month and then the overseers get a little, little bit more and and so you know they haven't been paid it's tw- 20 days late in arrears and then the amount of grain that they get according to reconstructions of what they should have gotten is is way too little it's yeah, way too little like they're that... just like here's a little bit yeah you have to placate them so so they're like, he, you know, here's 20 bucks, <clears throat> go <laughs> go make some bread. It's all going to mm-hmm. be fine or something. But it seems there, you might want to then ask yourself in the same way that when I'm looking at coffin reuse and I'm saying, where the hell did all the wood go? What happened to all of the sycamore and acacia stands that probably were growing in the Delta? Maybe when the sea peoples come in, you know, they're, these stands of trees are being either diverted from Elite personal use and put to military use, or they're being burned, or both. Mm-hmm. And and there's a a lack of wood. And given the lack of wood, you have coffin reuse. In this case, we have a lack of grain, which for the bread basket of the Mediterranean world, this is. And no, we are not trading grain like in the Roman periods. So I don't want that to be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. But Egypt grows grain plentifully and easily to make bread and beer, and that is your bread. That's your payment. They talk about money like bread. It can be yeah. I was say, to they, be they don't
1: have money like we think of
0: it. Right? It's mainly Right. Emmer and, yeah, grains. Right. um, And and these guys are like, where the hell's our money? It means that there isn't any grain in the royal treasuries. They don't have any. They're probably also giving their grain to soldiers mm-hmm. to pay for the, the work against the, the sea peoples and mm-hmm. the army, to pay their sailors in the Navy to do all of these other things. These funds have been diverted. And all of the unnecessary payments like these guys building the tomb in the valley of the kings like whatever we we don't have it right now you can just wait and so it, you can see the crisis and they're going to a mortuary temple so they're
1: going to the yeah. other institution and they're like okay here's mm-hmm. some stuff like go back to work <laughs> yeah. but obviously not solving yeah, well, so the problem what,
0: how do we understand this temple of horum do you think like what should we so it's this mortuary temple we, complex
1: but these temples, these temple estates have land. They're not just like a church as we think about them, that they're they're also fully fleshed out institutions, businesses in a way, right? They had lands, they had workshops attached to them. They're kind of also like a bank. They would have had resources that they were in charge of. Um, it's interesting that they were the ones to delve out this modicum of grain. And I wonder... The relations between whoever the high priest of this mortuary temple was with the temple of like of, of Amun at Karnak, and then also then vizier and the king. Um, was he trying to show his power by uh, I'll give the the workmen at at Madina some grain, and y- the king, or did the king give him permission to take from the stores? These kind of little interactions of. Yeah. You know, everyone always thinks of the king as this full autocratic regime where he owns everything. But I think there is right. a lot more messiness going on, especially at
0: this time. You know, a mortuary temple of a king long dead. This Hormheb yes, guy. Yes, this is an old. Is, yeah. We, in Manetho, he's the end of the 18th dynasty. But mm-hmm. when you look at the history and how the 18th dynasty works, in many ways, he's the beginning of the 19th. He's yeah. the one that creates the coup against the family and their hangers on. And and whether it's a real coup or not, it's it's a big shift in how power works and moves power towards a king coming from a military community of practice. Mm -hmm. Um, We won't use the word mercenary here. (laughs) We're just going to say military community of practice. But whether there's a cultural memory of any of that, I don't think we can really know yeah. Um, maybe this is a, there's geographic reasons for picking the temple of Horah on the West Bank versus another. Maybe um, Amenacht has some type of
1: relation. I mean, all these people were yeah. related and married together. So I don't know, like maybe he knew someone. And because we'll, yeah. as, as we get through things, Amenacht is the scribe who's recording all these events. So he clearly right. had, he was the one in charge of kind of making sure. The crew at Dira Medina, representing them in a way and making sure that they were getting their
0: due. You know, today, today looks towards a big city of over a million people, right? But the West Bank still has its charming provincial yes. yeah. local flavor to it. And you can only imagine what it would have been like in the 20th dynasty. You know, how many people would have lived there? How full was this West Bank world? But I love your point that the scribe Aminacht may very well have been connected from his community of practice of Deirah Medina and the craftsman's village to the okay. community of practice of these, these mortuary temples that maintain the cult of the dead. They're all connected, right? You build a tomb so that you can put the sacred corpse into it, and then all of the offerings that go to that corpse go through that temple. It's all connected infrastructure, connected economies, connected societies. Mm-hmm. So... The reason they're choosing Horemheb is probably varied and practical mm-hmm. and ideological simultaneously. But the the other point I want to make is that a mortuary temple, I don't think we know who runs these West Bank mortuary temples. Is it the Amun Institution and the high priest on the East Bank mm-hmm. who's running this stuff? Or is it like the, the king and his court? It doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. It seems to be more of a an institutional sort of thing. And though this is a different set of texts, the tomb robbery papyri set up pretty clearly in the way the texts are, are written and who's there, a competition between the mayor of Eastern Thebes, where Karnak and Luxor temples are, and the mayor of Western Thebes. And, and the mayor of Eastern Thebes is ratting out the mayor of Western Thebes to the king and the mm-hmm. viziers and the butlers. And it seems that the mayor of Western Thebes is very much involved with the, and I argue this in my book, Recycling for Death, in the commodification, the re-commodification of all the funerary wealth that's Mm -hmm. buried in the valley, whether it's elite or king or whatever. Mayor of Western Thieves has got his fingers in the pies and he's getting rich. Where are they storing this shit? I mean, these mortuary temples, where are they processing it and then storing it and then redistributing it? These mortuary temples are part of it. You You can see it in... Where coffins are moving to, and other things. So there's money in these places now. Late Ramazan yeah, letters. Yeah. I know there's a couple.
1: Um, I think Pionki being like, bring the linen from the one tomb and bring it to Menedet Habu for, they're talking about. And we're using... conflating
0: times. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm conflating I mean, times. Ra- but... I mean, we're conflating. I am. I started it. I mean, because because the Tomb robbery Papyri Ramsey's dying. Yes. And here we're in Ramses three and a whole lot of people are going to be like, you guys, you know, you, this tomb robbery stuff didn't get going until much later in the 20th dynasty. Like be more precise with your times. And they would have a point. However, the tomb re commodification evidence and the coffin recycling evidence mm-hmm. indicates that elites at least are recycling their tomb goods and reusing coffins on the regular yeah. during the reign of ramses the third if not before mm-hmm. so the amount of crisis and scarcity that's going on is making people get really creative and i would argue that things that will be more openly spoken in the reign of harry horror Pianchi before him it, where they're like let's move this body and do things and he's our divine god but they strip mm-hmm. the body of riches and then re resacralize him all of this that is done in the more open light of day within the institution is in a much more veiled and hidden space that we cannot really see. And well, so maybe
1: this is the foundation it makes sense for it. to me they
0: would go to, it's true, but, and so it would make sense to me they would go to this, yeah, but they're going to go to this kind of a temple. They're going to go to this kind of a temple. It has power. It has power. Yeah, yeah. So that's my only point. Like when When the reuse is starting, that everyone connected to these temples are, are part of it. If you're starving or you don't get your grain or you're not being paid by your patron and you're working in a temple that has really nice cedar floors, I wonder, do you think you're gonna start recommodifying those cedar floors? Hells yes, I would, you would. Amber, would you? She's nodding. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's there's riches in open sight when money is not being sent down to Thebes or to other places. Mm-hmm. And these things can be reused. And it's understood that people are skimming off the top or, you know, doing what they need to do. And if you're going to take cedar floors, for instance, which we know from the Tomb Robert Pyre in New Ramsey's Nine, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Do you think that one guy gets to get rich off of those cedar floors? No, you had to share that shit with a community so that if you, t- but you have to be kind of quiet, like, right? But you can share it among a community within that mm-hmm. funerary temple, and this is happening in Horam Temple, and it was the third temple in in um, all over the the Egyptian religious t- temple landscape. So um, no. it's it's really interesting to hypothesize and and try to put it into a more complicated,
1: oh, yeah. uh, and real I, life setting. And I think with the next our next set of texts, well, it gets even more interesting because other players from the around Thebes come into play. So the next piece of evidence we have is the so-called Turin strike papyrus. It's P. Turin 1880. And this, interestingly enough, also is the papyrus that has on the other side the gold mine and the tomb plan. So this is a very important papyri that Mm -hmm. this this man we were just introduced to, he's also purported to be the author of all these texts. So he obviously knows a lot. He's recording these strikes, he's recording tomb plans, he's recording gold mine maps. This dude had was a very interesting man.
0: Um well and it shows a diversification of the Dirom uh-huh. Medina crew in terms of how they're being used. Like, why the hell would you have a Wadi Hamamot? And he gold knows where the map. goal is. Yeah. <laughs> and you're marking it all out. Well, he he needs a map, obviously. It's not yeah. his community of practice. He's being put into a new place and a new gig and having to figure things out, but obviously we we need ourselves some gold here mm-hmm. <laughs> so and so we'll but also a get tomb it. plan it, yeah 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 so interesting yeah the tomb plan part is interesting but like the gold map i mean we one could could extrapolate and consider so many different things but we maybe that's another podcast i don't know yeah, that would be can, an interesting to discuss yeah yeah yeah
1: so this covers about a period of 3 months what in our calendar would be about early oh, november God. through early february Mm-hmm. And so, quote, year 29, second month of Peret, day 10. On this day, the crew passed the five gateposts up to, of the necropolis saying, we are hungry for 18 days. We have, are, have already passed this month. So they're leaving the Nerea And <laughs> they sat down at the rear of the temple of Menhepereh. Then the scribe of the enclosed tomb, the two foremen, the two deputies, and the two law enforcement officers came and shouted to them, go back. They swore great oaths. Please come. We have a pronouncement of Pharaoh, LPH, and they spent the day in this place and spent the night back in the necropolis. So we have the first instance of of them leaving Dural Medina, coming down to T3's um, Mortuary Temple, Menhepere, right? And people were yelling at them to go back, but they stayed the day. But then eventually went back in the night back to Dear Medina, but with no
0: resolution. This text is so interesting. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a sit-in, right? Because yeah. they're yeah. sitting down in the temple space and like, it's like we're, we're not, not working work. Yep. And it's an emotionally combative situation. They're claiming great hunger, mm-hmm. um, whether it's true or not. In I mean, you remember the strike, UCLA strike you know, the grad students, how many times did you hear a professor say they get paid? Well, it's fine. They're not starving. And you're like, we have, we have food banks. That's, we yeah. have way, you know, we have, <laughs> there are lots of people that live in their car. No one can afford rent. I don't think you understand exactly what it is you're talking about. There is a disconnect between those who have, and those who do not. And one of the ways that is used to bridge that divide is, emotionality,
1: mm-hmm. is
0: an appeal to um and physicality, an appeal to um your to basic hunger. needs because yeah, it's something that people needs. can understand. Yeah. We're hungry, and we don't have what it is we need. Please understand this is like serious mm-hmm. and and then you see that there's a disconnect within the tomb crew itself because from what it seems to me that the scribe of the tomb, the foreman, the deputies, the magi policemen mm-hmm. are like in disagreement with the rest of their workers yeah what do you think there does it seem like they're agreeing green or not a green
1: or they're telling them to go back right and it says they shouted
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, mm-hmm. I think the part where they're saying you know they passed the five guard posts that this is a big deal right. and this is a whole discussion of whether or not the girl medina people were like allowed to leave girl medina that they were kept there because right. they knew these secrets of where the king's tomb were and stuff like this so i think this is made you i mean you could read into this a lot more like oh they left the village which they weren't supposed to be doing and they come down to the temple mm-hmm. and are having a sit in and and that people their initial reaction is like what are you doing you're not supposed to be here yeah. go back the police police are there which um is i think very interesting and i think this speaks to strikes in general that sometimes the boss who is the one interfacing between the two different sectors is usually on these, not on maybe the side of their workers initially. So I think this is interesting, um, too, that the boss maybe is still getting fed, but it's maybe the more, the greater kind of artisan craftsman people that are the disgruntled ones here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and who's actually striking? It's not clear, but I have to assume mm-hmm. that the says the crew. That the lower crew, yeah. it, the lower crew must be included here too. The, mm-hmm. the the people that are bringing the fish and that are bringing the water yeah. and, and the wood, because all, this whole village had to be stocked with, yeah. with things that you would get in the inundation lands that you cannot get in the desert, mm-hmm. including bringing in water by, you know, carrying it on your back or, on, or renting something. a donkey and carrying yeah. it that way and going into horrible debt. But there's a whole, there's books by Jan Osman written about water carriers and donkey rental and how it's total racket that just puts people into this penurious situation. (laughs) But anyway, um, but you can see that the leadership of the crew has an agenda that is much more connected to the king and to the elites, suggestive of the fact that they have money coming in. And -hmm. again, I go back to my book, Cost of Death. The people that are creating the high cost Commissions for an elite coffin or painting an elite tomb are the scribe of the tomb or the foreman, one of them, or a, a deputy, or sometimes a medjai policeman. So it's it's an interesting thing to see how those men have closer social ties to the high elite world and are getting more money and and wheat and mm-hmm. barley from that high elite world, and and it's the other guys that are that are not. So there is a well, and who's gonna? Who's, of society?
1: Where's he getting his power from? Right, he doesn't want to get fired. Yeah, or like yeah. repositioned then, or lowered. Right. If so, supporting yeah. the people below you in a very selfish way is not necessarily advantageous for a, a higher worker. Right. You want to maybe right supporting the king, and you want him to. You want him to look out for you. Yeah. You That's
0: why I like to talk about these things as shifts of patronage. Mm -hmm. So even within the crew of Daryl Medina, you can see Daryl Medina as an entity fracturing such that people are not listening to their bosses and their bosses don't have sympathy Mm
1: -hmm. for what
0: it is they're dealing with, but they can't stop them from marching off the job, heading out to Manhepare's temple and, and ostensibly going to this temple because there are grain stores there and that they could potentially be fed. So you know we we all we all like think of um when george floyd was murdered and los angeles was overrun with um you could say i mean it's not really strikes but kind of a a social unrest in which yeah. people decided people of mostly of color decided because this is how we've organized our communities and societies in the united states that white supremacy is a real thing and people of color would go to places where they know riches are held, mm-hmm. um, a mall, a Nike store, a grocery store, a something, go into that place and take that wealth that has been withheld from them. Even if they're working three jobs and they are on welfare, you know, they, they can't make it. You know, you break into a store. you're like, if somebody's getting rich off of this, I will take it. This is my due, or I'm going to steal these Nike shoes or whatever it is. Or just, yeah, it's just that, that kind of yeah. Just the control. social contract Ooh, yeah. has broken and those rules are not, just F this, not, yeah. people have decided not going to follow it, not mm-hmm. going to follow it. Yeah. yeah. If, if police rule and that kind of law and order is meant to mainly maintain the wealth inequality of a given patriarchal society, well, which I think and, is what
1: it, And it I is. find it particularly not to get too off topic with these, like, I know in Los Angeles, San Francisco, there's all these things like, oh, you know, robberies, people, you know, burglaries and stuff. And it, it just seems to me that the cities care more about these random luxury goods than yeah. than like George Floyd getting murdered or things like that. And I think that's part of the unrest yeah. that people are like, you care more about like a Louis Vuitton purse getting stolen, which is just yeah. ultimately like a stupid yeah. purse than or like yeah. a Nike store getting broken into and all these things. And like citizens being <laughs> murdered and, and yeah. people are more up in arms about like, oh, my shopping experience is... Being ruined or jewelry stores are getting broken into, which is just people's agendas. I think are are um, you know in different places. I should say, but yeah. it won't get on my but, high. Yeah,
0: course. destruction of destruction of property is a part of these processes when social contracts are ripped apart. Because destruction of property is a way of making your displeasure known. And for this one, I really like to to use James C. Scott's book, Weapons of the Week. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it fits really well. The weak don't have many weapons. The, the rich and powerful have all of the police force, the boss force, the money force, the, they, they have all of it. And they monopolize it and they hoard it. And so what can the weak do? One thing you can do is stop working. Work, work badly, mm-hmm. um, gossip, um, talk shit about your bosses and you can destroy property. You can do so in a displayed way so that people can see what what it is you're capable of if you're not being listened to. Mm-hmm. And if no one's feeding you, and it's it's a really interesting thing to see this. Um, and, and I'm not saying there's destruction of property here. Um, there's not. But maybe, they're, I mean, they're, they're obviously not well, working, maybe not doing, no. being lazy, quote unquote, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. but, but my point is, is these texts are only going to preserve so much information. They're not going to do like, a journalistic diary-like yeah. account of everything that's happening. This is, and it's also going to present the workers in in the best possible light. Um, or, but I would like to know why they're going to these temples. Something's at these temples. This is the fucking Nike store, is wow. what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think if as we keep
1: reading, so. we'll we'll see exactly why the temples are being chosen. Uh, the strike papyrus continues. So two days later. So now day twelve. That continues. Quote: They told them that they had turned to them from hunger and thirst, for there is neither clothing nor oil nor fish nor vegetables. So they have like no goods coming in, and they, that's why they came to the temple. They should mm-hmm. therefore write to the pharaoh, their good lord, and to the vizier, <laughs> write a letter, their, their a boss. Letter. <laughs> yeah, write a letter of complaint while you're starving to provide for their likelihood. The rations for the first month of Parrot were made available to them on the same day. So. You know, you come you know, to the temple, yeah. you're, oh, and this time they went to the Ramazium, the second kind of sit-in. Right. So they went to t Right, and then two days later, they walked down to the Ramazium, and rations were provided, but obviously only temporarily. Yeah. And they said, you know, right. you're not getting you the stuff, but you're we'll give you it on this day. But like, we're not the ones who are supposed to be providing it, the Ramazium, It's the, the pharaoh and the vizier. So you need to write to him, because he should be paying you, not us, essentially, is what's going right. on
0: now. This reminds me of when I had to get my appendix out, emergency appendectomy, and they charged me $40,000 because the surgeon who did the appendectomy was not within the network. And I'm like, how am I supposed to interrogate the surgeon when I'm almost dying? Yeah, um, hi, do you take sure my insurance? In <laughs> exactly. And this went on for like a year and a half and they're sending me bills and it's like 40, I think it was $41,000 to be precise, but whatever. Welcome to American healthcare. And what do they tell me to do? They're like, you need to fill out this form. You need to call up the insurance company. You need to do this bureaucracy. You need to be calm. You need to calm down, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And you need to go through this whole system. And the bureaucracy is one weapon of the powerful that is meant to break the the weak. And it's... um. It, when somebody is is really panicking and they're like oh my god but what am i supposed to do how am i supposed to deal with this and they're like you need to write a letter to Sarah because this is really the way that this is going to get solved and it just it's exactly it that. makes you just go nuts it they're on hold crazy. they're You're on like, hold while they're starting
1: <laughs> just sit on hold yeah. pharaoh will get back to you
0: yeah okay so and obviously, to the vizier,
1: their boss, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the vizier, so the temples, like, look, we'll give you some stuff, but we're not the ones who are supposed mm-hmm. to be paying you, providing your rations. You need to mm-hmm. get this worked out. So, yeah, further protests the next month. So if still, things have not been figured out. They're not getting their rations like on time, and at this point, we have two of the workmen who quote unquote escaped the village. One, uh, two mm-hmm. individuals by the name of Kanana and Hai and they mm-hmm. say we will not return tell your supervisors truly it was not because we hungered that we left we have an important statement to make truly evil is done in the place of the pharaoh so now we have evidence dun, dun, dun. that maybe something else is going on it's not cuz they're hungry there's some other there's larger issues at play maybe because bosses are hoarding wealth rations aren't going down there's some so they're skimming off the top exactly something
0: yeah. And when, and when you're trying to create an organized strike structure, you know this, you went through this, you saw mm-hmm. cracks in that structure, you saw opportunists reach out to the bosses and say, Oh, I'll make a side deal with you. I'll do this and that. And you're like, we need solidarity. That's the yes. hugest thing yep. about a strike is keeping everyone united. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I know there was always like, you can't break, you can't, you have to all agree on these things. And that was like the one reason that the UCLA strike, UC strike was so successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but but here we see those those opportunists trying to to break off and and make side deals. Nami, mean, what is what do you think this evil is done in the place of the pharaoh? What do you think that is?
1: One thing could be like the start of maybe these minor tomb robberies or reuse of things. Like some shady backdoor dealings are happening at this point. The mm-hmm. bosses are like you said skidding off the top. That there's kind of like a, a mafia mafiosa kind of happening and to me it's that these guys weren't included in on it so they're pissed off i'm sure mm-hmm. if they were yeah. if they were profiting in some way they would be leaving the village and saying there's evil and they we have to make a statement and stuff guys clearly aren't weren't included maybe they didn't have the connections or things like this and they're being left out the squeaky wheel gets the most attention they're going to go escape and make a big protest somewhere
0: but it yeah, must have been some interesting kind
1: of... something important because they wrote it down so it had to have been when they're saying we're not, it's not because we're hungry. We're we are being more noble and having
0: to make a statement. There's evil happening here. It's a huge statement. And yet in typical, in typical fashion, in a highly unequal society, they don't truthfully say what it is. What it is in yeah. a more competitive society, I have found, um, and and people can say this is way too simplistic, but in, in a more competitive society, you might make a more specific and pointed statement about what it is that's being done, a more pointed accusation. You know, this person is doing this, this, and this embezzling in this way, et cetera, et cetera. In a more unequal, uh, even authoritarian society or a corporatocracy, whatever we want to think of the 20th dynasty Rameson world as, there's there's much less interest in, in saying anything directly. So you just, you speak around the problem and that's one of the most interesting things about working with these texts, mm-hmm. strike papyri, tomb robbery papyri, um, is, is that you have to read behind the, between the lines and mm-hmm. behind the veil of what's actually going on. Well, and so, they might have you known know what the they word, were talking about, but we don't. Oh, you I'm know. sure they did. You know, I'm sure like, they did. But also, why did they not write down exactly what was going on? Why did they not make that statement exactly? Because it doesn't serve them within the social context. It yeah. serves them to have a more um, broad and ideologically driven statement. To use mm-hmm. the word evil,
1: which mm-hmm. I have to assume
0: is something like boot or yeah, I, I don't know what the Egyptian word would be. look into the glyphs. Don't, yeah. I did, I'm not expecting you to hierotic. don't you worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't you worry. I didn't look either. Um, but, you know, that's a very ideologically driven word. It's a moralistic mm-hmm. word. And so... And the place of Pharaoh—that yeah. this is a divine place that is not meant to have any profanity occurring within it—is it super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. So then, so finally, now maybe because of these two individuals, the vizier responds. So he—they finally get mm-hmm. his attention, and he responds, and he says, "The granaries are empty, right?" Like so holy he's shit. Like, he's like, yeah. "Look, I don't have anything to pay you," which is one very interesting because what, like, what's going on? The granaries are empty. You should have grain. Yeah. And then, yeah. with that, two weeks later, a, the crew again leaves the village to strike now at the temple of Meramta. So we went from Horum to T three to um, what was the other one? Ramses two to
0: you had the Ramsesium
1: to, to the Ramsesium, and now we're at Meramta. So they're just hitting mm-hmm, up all mm-hmm. of them. And now, at yeah. this point, the mayor of the city, um, so thieves, and I, we don't
0: know if it's east or west. But I think it's I it, think or it's, if there's an east west at this point, at I this assume point, yeah.
1: It, I did look at the glyphs for this, and it just says newt, like top. Okay,
0: so so maybe it's east, but yeah, I don't know. And yeah. so
1: he steps in and provides the resources until again Pharaoh responds. So again, the king seems very out of touch, out of the loop, and mm-hmm. maybe he's in the north, and this is not his priority because see people stuff is going on, and he's like whatever.
0: Um, but right. so in this case, the mayor steps in. So if you read if you read Tainter's Collapse, he'll talk about how systems of larger communities break down in a moment of collapse, and mm-hmm. you get much more individual or family-based, decentralized survival mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And so here you, you know, the Egyptian state as a whole connecting the north and the south, which is really what Egyptian kingship is based on. That he ties together the two plants, mm-hmm. the heraldic plants of upper and lower Egypt, that he is king of the two lands. That has broken down. And we have, look, the the granaries are empty. The first of all, what? The, what? and then and then you have to go local. And you have to go to some other local power that's nearby, and that's what's going to solve your problem in this well, yeah, in it's this this very much so remind super me interesting. Of-
1: you know, two autobiographies and such in the first intermediate period where it's like, I fed my people, everyone else was starving, but I kept my mm-hmm. town people mm-hmm. fed. And and I think this speaks too, to how much true, truly does the king own all the resources of Egypt? If the vizier is saying the granaries are empty, but then the mayor of Thebes is like, I have stuff, I'll give it to you. That apparently the king slash vizier can't tap into that he doesn't have right. or it would be improper for him to tap into and the temples also seem to have their own stores that the king slash vizier can't tap into. I mean, I kinda get right. it like things are earmarked, right? Like we suffer from this with like budgets and stuff. And then so I'll quickly read the um the translation. So quote year 29, first month of Shemu, day 13 the crew left the necropolis ground saying, we are hungry. And they sat down at the rear of the temple of Merim-tah. They card They called out to the passing mayor of the city who summoned men the gardener of the chief overseer of cattle, who told them that he would give them 50 sacks of emmer until Pharaoh gives you your rations. So again, mm-hmm. not a lot of grain. Um, that's not going to last you very long. And we can see here maybe who's in charge of these things, right? The mayor of Thebes... They finally get his attention. He then goes to the gardener, which again, some translations, yeah. like maybe the, Not you know, helpful. the guy in charge of the fields of the chief of the mm-hmm. overseer of cattle. They have some grain that he can pull and give to them. So they go back to work. Um, right. So, yeah, I think we get an idea of the very bloated
0: bureaucracy. And I also like know. this idea that you can see the release valves that, like, when I talked about destruction of property, that's not what's happening here. but but these guys, what they, they have to give them something, or we were we're going to get to that point. so there there seems to be this understanding, oh, yeah, Pharaoh should be responding. He's not responding. His not responding. What the hell? Here's some grain. Please don't burn down all of this shit. so <laughs> there's there's an attempt to create some sort of peace, a new social contract. Shifting uh-huh. patronage from the king and the vizier to the temple institution, the Amun temple institution. And, and and then who are these tombs even for? What are these king's bodies meant to be for? It it makes more sense to me when I see this and I see the high priests of Amun at the end of dynasty 20, Piank and Harihor taking the, the king's bodies and all the riches they contain, moving into those tombs, funding their regime with that, with that material wealth, it makes sense because they've taken over as patrons at this point. They're doing it here. And you see more of that patronage play back and forth in Ramses IX with the tomb papyri, particularly as Ramses IX seems to be a king with more Theban connections to the high priest of Amun, at least closer. And his body was also kept in the royal cache, which is super interesting in, in Durabacher 320. But mm-hmm. the the patronage shift is happening now. Yeah. And and yeah. Ramsey's three, he's gonna get his throat cut not soon after.
1: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> Just so like, or not
0: exactly. long after this, it's gonna mm-hmm. happen right away. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, I mean, there's some other bits within the empires, but that's mainly our our main chunk. So we don't get a really good resolution to any of this, right? We have other protests. This continues into the end of Arthur's reign, and then also these we have more little bits, hints, and bits t- even through to the end of the 20th dynasty and later. Um, that the later Ramses, there was still this ongoing issue with providing rations to them. Um, and there's an, another interesting ostraca from UChicago. Chicago. That's now in from Nefrahotep <laughs> to the Vizier. I have to keep reminding myself that it's not the old name anymore. It's like ingrained into me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, that that I think we get a little bit more interesting. And I love the metaphor within this. So I I had to mention it, but um, uh, Neferhotep says, quote, we are all exceedingly impoverished. All supplies for us that are from the treasury, that are from the granary, and that are from the storehouses have been allowed to be exhausted. So we have three instances of places where they are getting their rations that now are empty. Not light mm-hmm. is a load of stone. Six oipe, so a, a measure of grain, have been taken it's away an, from an us. It's,
0: a, it's an ipit. It's an ipit. It's a quarter of a har. One mm-hmm. quarter so of the less, har sack.
1: Yeah. So six yeah. of those have been taken away from us besides to be given us six oikwes of dirt, which I just love the metaphor that like you took yeah. our grain and you left us with dirt. That's what you're doing. Let our Lord yeah. make for us a means for keeping alive. Oh, there's a lot of weird autocorrects in here. Um, we do not live at all. It is not given to us in the form of anything whatsoever. So yeah. you know, we're dying. You took our grain and left us with dirt and you need to do something about this. And I, I just loved the... Yeah the metaphor of and this very personal letter from Neferhotep to the Vizier asking for help.
0: I like the line, not light is a load of stone, which is what we're doing is guys complaining. Yeah. They're hauling out, they're digging out the tomb. Mm -hmm. They're digging out the cavity from the live rock into the limestone mountain of the Gorn. And then they're they're carrying those stones. So Mm -hmm. this, you know, well we say the crew, I think it's bigger. Than that. It's not just the, the skilled craftsmen, but also the unskilled laborers. And what is a labor discussion about? But how much value a laborer or craftsperson is worth. And how many memes have you seen lately? Oh, unskilled labor, and you see like a truck driver doing like an amazing thing with a forklift mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but th- there's this a st- very Marxist statement of we're carrying rock. And it's not light. And you may think we're just, you know, dumb idiots who don't deserve to be paid much. And that's where they are in the social mm-hmm. spectrum. However, one of the coolest things about these texts is that they're able to strike. They're able to stop working and they're mm-hmm. not harmed for it. The medjai are not sending in more medjai to, to put this down through force. They're actually appeased in as many ways that they can. It's, it's not easy. They're not just mm-hmm. given everything that they want. But they're also not um, as in so many American you can't labor strikes, them and for instance. Them. Yeah, no, you, you because can't. going to
1: take and, end the job. <laughs> and there is still the a
0: local, right? There's still a local social contract that needs to be maintained. So mm-hmm. it's you know, and and they're they're stay, They're really saying that we are valuable. A load of stone isn't isn't light. So you better pay us for our work. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's so interesting. It's such an interesting human statement to see at 2000, almost 2000, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what are we, oh, sorry, a thousand years before the common era. It's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. It's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. And as you see, I have pulled here also in that document, I share with you a chart of later strikes. And so we see like Ramses 9 and Ramses 10. We have a lot of demands on the vizier for rations, a lot of inactivity stopping of of work, crews leaving, things like this. So we can see this. It's not just Ramses III. This is going on into the later 20th and dynasty, the crew is... And I like to think if you go to the Valley of the Kings and look at these later Ramazid tombs, they're long. So it's like you're making your tomb even, you know, maybe the amount of, I don't know how much work, the difference is the amount of like work that is needed versus early nineteenth dynasty to a twentieth dynasty tomb, but you can't just have a small crew quarrying out carrying all this heavy stone, doing all the painting and stuff, right? You if you want your tomb, mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting to see the relation between these strikes and if you could connect them to the tombs themselves and, and mm-hmm. the construction and architecture and stuff.
0: It's such an ideological power that the king is still having his body interred in Thebes at all at this mm-hmm. point especially after the murder of Ramses III because it's it's using a 19th dynasty system for a 20th dynasty problem. And you're now beholden to a number of desert necropolis workers who have extraordinary cultural memory and restricted knowledge about who's buried where, what kind of awesome shit is buried with them, where you could get this kind of wealth or that kind of treasure, how you can get into the tomb through a back way and they really do have them by the balls, so to speak, Well, and because they need yeah. to be buried in this place. So they have to appease. But there's this still, this tension this back and forth between the striking workers and then whoever's in in um, the driver's seat in terms of having more resources to and pay. And that's, that's what any of the modern strikes that we were just talking about, that ultimately the workers
1: have some leverage because it's like your business, like when we were striking, it was like, were your TAs, the functioning of the university won't function anymore if we're not working, or it's going to be made very much more difficult for the professors and all this stuff. Or when the auto workers stop working, you're not going to have any more cars. And so that's the, you know, main leverage that the workers have. And it's this standoff between how long can that go on and all these things. But I will say I want to take a brief pause here. I'm going to pause here and then we can come back in our part two. Uh, And we'll dive deeper into these questions and look at things more holistically now that we've went
0: through um, all this evidence. Thank you to our listeners for your support, and please subscribe. If you enjoyed the show, share it with all your friends, and most importantly, leave us a five-star review. Send all those ancient world questions and topic suggestions for future episodes to ancientnow at substack.com. We actually do read them all. You can find info on all my books, articles, and upcoming lectures on my website. Just head to KarakuniEgyptologist.com. Amber puts all of that together. Oh my God. Thank you, Amber. Check out our Substack Ancient Now at ancientnow.substack.com, where we share perspectives on all of that history and archaeology news every week and continue the conversations that happen after the podcast mic is turned off. Support the show by becoming a paid subscriber at our Substack Ancient Now community. This keeps the show free for everyone, and paid status gives you access to our archives. Thank you to our current supporters. I'm at all the social medias. Look for at Karakuni. Thanks to the team at Patina Productions for this podcast, which I must point out is wholly separate from my academic work at UCLA. See you next time on Afterlives of Ancient Egypt.